the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, SoCal Live, I'm Pastor Rob McCoy, guest host. I'm a pastor in Ventura County, Godspeak Church, and I have the great privilege of being the guest host here on SoCal Live. But today, we're going to call it Liberty Station, similar to the Liberty Station you have there in San Diego. And the Liberty Station is where you board the Freedom Train. Uh, I'm not only a pastor in uh, Ventura County, I'm, I'm also, I was the mayor of the city. And uh, I combined two things, politics and the pulpit. And uh, an interesting combination. I, I, I was born and raised in San Diego, and uh, my father was a naval officer. I went to Coronado High School, uh, went to San Diego Mesa College. I still hold records there. I was a swimmer, uh, All-American uh, at the high school. I was a swimmer at San Diego Mesa. still hold records, like I said, uh, and, and I'm, I still have a washboard stomach. I just have laundry on it, so I, uh, I'm more of a buoy now. But they wouldn't let me live in San Diego because it's only for beautiful people like all of you, so I had to move out. But I tell you what, it is so good to be with you all and to have the privilege to uh, guest host on SoCal Live. Now, uh, I've got a guest today, and um, I'll be having him come on shortly. But before I introduce that guest to you, I want to give you a little bit of background so you understand I'm going to be with you in the next two days. And I wanted to share with you all that as a pastor and a politician, I see the intersection of both of these. We're watching in our state, uh, in here in California, where our our liberties are are being taken from us. Our church uh, in in Thousand Oaks, California. I was a sitting city council member. I'd just been the mayor of the city. I was finishing out my term on the council when the governor decided to say that the church was non-essential, and he did that during our Holy Week in 2020. And so I resigned from the city council. I'd worked hard to get elected to because I swore to defend the Constitution, and the governor has no right to usurp our First Amendment freedom. Uh, he would say abortion clinics were essential, as they would tear the parts of a little baby and in the mother's womb and then flush them into the sewer systems of our, our state And after they would sell the parts. And, and yet the church isn't essential, but an abortion clinic is, a cannabis distributor, a liquor store. And I just couldn't live with that. So we opened the church on Palm Sunday— we hosted communion. We still didn't know the severity of the virus back in April of 2020. And so we followed CDC standards. The sanctuary holds about 400 people. We had 10 chairs. It took us almost four hours to do communion. And the press descended on us like we were going to be killing everybody. Um, and then they, to their credit, the press reported there was the cleanest place in all of Ventura County, if not California. You know, Costco is allowed to remain open, but not a church. And, and folks would say, well, you know, we're, we're supposed to love our neighbor. Well, I do love my neighbor because as we started to realize following CDC standards and then watching the governor in May uh, basically say that uh, uh, he was embracing the riots in Los Angeles, shoulder to shoulder, no masks, 75% of the bur- uh, businesses that were burned and looted were Jewish owned and targeted. We just finally said, you know, enough's enough. We had tracked the virus. We had started a live stream. We had no less than 20 doctors come on. And one of the doctors that was with us from day one is the one you're going to hear from uh, today. His name is Dr. Keith Rose. And I'll tell you more about him momentarily. But 
we started to understand how the virus worked and that it was 65 and older with comorbidities, actually 70 older with comorbidities that were of greatest risk. And we knew that it really had little to no effect on younger folks, uh, 17 and under. And so the quarantines and the stifling of worship and the shuttering of the churches and and then, you know, being ostracized and accused that we were we were super spreaders. Well, we opened May 31st, shoulder to shoulder, no masks. We had uh, ionization machines, uh, air filters. We had UV lights and uh, hand sanitizer. And we didn't have a single case of COVID. We get into uh, middle to late August, and our county supervisors decide to do an emergency restraining order on us. And they want to shutter our church. They named me and uh, a thousand congregants or visitors in the suit that we would be cited. And uh, we were found in contempt of that restraining order. We violated it. I was brought before the judge on contempt charges. They fined us $3,000 every time the doors of the church were open. We amassed hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. And I just told them, I'll see the inside of a jail cell before you'll see a penny of that money. Uh, the, the governor has no right to do this. we had had no issues. And they finally dropped the suit. We had a cross complaint. We wanted to investigate how they could shutter 65% of our restaurants, our businesses in Ventura County. And, and folks say, you don't love your neighbor. I do love my neighbor. I, I love the neighbor who has been the abused neighbor who's been quarantined with their abuser. I love my neighbor who's elderly, who's had to die alone in a hospital. I love my neighbor, the children who have had their schools shuttered and been forced to wear masks. I, I love my neighbor who owns a business that is now longer, now no longer going to be open. I do love my neighbor. It's come at a cost to us. $3,000 every time the doors of the church were open. And so this was painful and difficult, but I have to tell you, it was the greatest thing we ever did. And our church has grown 400% since the lockdowns. We've baptized more people uh, in our church in the last six months than the population of the church was six months ago. There's an awakening happening. There's a revival happening. And now our first responders, uh, police and fire, who are facing these mandates of this injection uh, being thrust upon them at a state level. We have teachers that are concerned about it as we're watching 13-year-olds die of myocarditis after having received this injection. And folks just are, you know, it's not pro-vax or anti-vax, it's pro-liberty. This is Liberty Station. It's time to board the freedom train. Government stops where our skin begins. You have the right to choose for your kids. And we're not second-class citizens. This isn't medical apartheid. And I have to tell you, folks, the church, the church is critical in this because liberty is not man's idea. Liberty is God's idea. It's critical that we all participate in this constitutional republic given to us by God that these are inalienable rights, not given to us by man, but given to us by God. And so with that, it's important that we all exercise our religious liberty and stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. I learned this from my dad, my mother, both of them, though not being raised in a Christian home, were God-fearing, but they loved this country. My father had three tours of Vietnam, retired as a Navy captain, my mother would walk precincts. She'd be very involved in local politics. My father ran for city council. And, um, and so this was my upbringing. I had a responsibility to my country. And when I entered into the pulpit after having gone to college and then having come to know Christ, uh, when I started with Calvary Chapel uh, in San, uh, San Jose, California, with Don McClure as an assistant pastor and then given the senior pastorate at Calvary Chapel Thousand Oaks, which we now call Godspeak, Speak. 
uh, I, I started inviting candidates to come in uh, during election season, and people said, well, he's the political pastor. Well, you know, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, where those who govern, govern by our consent, I thought it was kind of important that we would get to hear from them whether or not we wanted to give them our consent and to educate the populace, those in our congregation, to understand that if you don't protect liberty for generations to come, we've had unprecedented liberty for 245 years in this nation. We're the longest-running nation in the history of the world under one article of incorporation, the Declaration of Independence. While every other country on the face of the earth has gone through multiple changes of government, we have a nation that was conceived in liberty and dedicated to this proposition that all men are created equal. As Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address, may that not perish from the face of the earth. And I, I just was moved by that and my entire life has been committed to it. But my mother used to say, you don't talk about religion and politics and mixed company, so I'm the guy you don't invite to the dinner party. So that's kind of the way I grew up. Uh, I, I, those are two of my favorite topics. And, and I wanted to say thank you for joining us. And, and in a moment, we're going to give you a chance to, to dial in. Uh, we're waiting for our guest to come on board. And, and his, is he ready? Oh, we're all set. Okay, so our guest is uh, Dr. Keith Rose. And uh, Dr. Keith Rose, medical doctor. And I met him in January of 2020 at Mar-a-Lago when I went to go meet the president, had the chance to talk with him. Keith was with me. Uh, got a chance to learn a little bit about his life and how he came to Christ. His father was a pastor. He's a PK kid. He uh, graduated from Baylor, played football at Baylor, went on to a prestigious medical school, graduated high in his class, and uh, he's an amazing man. He ended up uh, being commissioned in the United States Army. He spent time over in Afghanistan. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he can correct me, but I think he's 12 years he's been over there back and forth. And he has... He has seen his friends who have been killed during this time. It's tragic. And, and he's going to talk to us today about two things. One, his efforts to get folks out of Afghanistan, American citizens who are still there. And two, he's going to talk to us a little bit about this virus and also these therapeutics that we're being mandated to be injected with. So with that, let me welcome my dear friend, Dr. Keith Rose. Keith, are you there? I'm here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah. Just one correction. I was in Afghanistan. I wasn't working with the army at that time. I was. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I know that. Yeah, and can, yeah. are, are we allowed to tell them kind of a little bit about? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've been a member of the intelligence community for a long time. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to share that. So thank you for putting that out there. Sure. So, so you you have connections, having worked with the intelligence community. You know what's going down in the ground on the ground there. Uh, you have been working diligently to get people out like Victor Marx has been doing and Dave Eubanks and a number of other wonderful men and women who don't want to give up on the folks that served us. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there and your, your insight on all of it, Keith? Certainly. Like like you said, Victor and Dave are both doing great work. Another person that's doing a lion's share of a lot of the bringing awareness to this is Laura Logan and her husband, Joe Burkett. She's amazing. There's a lot of people that spent time in Afghanistan. Like you said, I spent, um, actually, I spent over 12 years there, closer to 15, in and out of the country. The longest I was there one single time was about nine months. But we all made deep friendships, and we all worked with the folks in Afghanistan, the people that risked their lives to protect us. And what we're seeing right now, Rob, is something that we've never seen in the history of our nation. We've never in the history of our nation. I mean, if you want, 
let me back up. If you want to take a good look at Afghanistan, realize that in 20 years, four presidents and billions and billions of dollars, we replaced the Taliban with the Taliban. Hmm. And not only did we do that, but the, it's not that we shouldn't be out of Afghanistan as, as a big army. I agree with that decision. But the way that we left it and the way that we are treating it now is an anthem to everything we stand for in the United States of America. Keith, we're being told. We have, we're, Keith, we're being told there's no American citizens remaining, or very few, if any. Give us, give every. It almost seems as though the president doesn't even talk about this, and and the church is being martyred. Now, Victor said that the it was a, uh, it, it wasn't clear intelligence when they said that one church had been wiped out, but there are other churches in Afghanistan, and you're aware of Christians that have been. I'm killed. I'm aware of one one underground one underground group that was killed, yeah. and there's there's several. The the thing is. In Afghanistan, the Afghan people that helped us are, are good people. And you have a generation, Rob, 20 years of people in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan that have never lived under a Taliban rule. They've been there with the coalition forces there. And, and, a lot of, and this administration right now is, was hoping that everything would go away after this weekend. And when I mean everything go away, they were hoping that the, quote, resistance would be wiped out. And let me explain to your listeners, the resistance is not the resistance. The resistance is the duly appointed government of the nation. The Taliban are not the duly appointed government. Yet they want recognition as the duly appointed government. And unfortunately, our State Department has been working hand-in-hand to give them that recognition. As for the number of Americans there, I personally know of over 100 Americans that are there because I'm helping find them. But I can tell you that's, that's not the whole list. We have Americans. We have green card holders. We have a lot of people with SIV, special immigrant visas. These are people that risk their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to help Americans come home safely. And these are good people. And so what we're dealing with right now is we're dealing with an issue that – fall along the lines of morality, because the people that are fighting in Afghanistan now are fighting the Taliban. And the Taliban are a group that they're, they're a radical sect of, sect of Muslims. They're, they're not just your typical Muslim, but they're the, they're the type that they just, they, they're evil. It's the only way I can really describe it. Well, Keith, and, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this, because understanding the enemy that we're up against and what's happening there and, and the usurping of that government and then being recognized by our nation and, and still having American citizens there, and then just seems as though there's a silence in the press and the president doesn't even address it. Uh, and, and we watched the fiasco uh, at, at, the, at the airport there in Kabul and yet they, 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 they closed the major military installation, which would have been a great opportunity to exit uh, all of our, our workers and, and our citizens. Uh, as we're looking at it, we've got about six and a half minutes left. And, and, and for all of you out there just tuned in, I'm with Dr. Keith Rose. He's a medical doctor. He has worked with the intelligence agency. He's been in Afghanistan for over 12 years. He is diligently working now to get American citizens, green card holders, and other folks out of Afghanistan. Uh, Keith, tell me, uh, we left an enormous amount of equipment there. Our, uh, Christians are, are under attack. We're watching as, as our veterans who serve there almost feel as though, like my dad did when he came back from Vietnam, 
was this a waste? And there's a lot of Gold Star parents that have lost their kids. Bring some comfort, some insight. I, I love the way in which you tie Christ in in all that you do. Well, I mean, right now what we're seeing is an immoral situation. And the good news is there's a lot of people that are out of the military, out of the intelligence services now that have risen up and said, you know what, we have a moral obligation to help those who helped us. And these these folks have come together in small groups, and there's a lot of us that are working to get people out. And what we're working against, Rob, is when the military was still at CHI, at Kabul International Airport, we were moving large groups of people in past Taliban checkpoints to the airport. And I personally can tell you that multiple groups were turned back, even American citizens showing their passports at the gate. And we come out, we come to find out from talking to guys on the ground that a lot of this was under orders from the high military command and from the State Department, not the guys on the ground. And so we couldn't get those guys in. Then you take that as why are we leaving American citizens there? And I'm going to get to the answer quickly. At the same time, we abandoned base with easily defendable Bagram. We not only abandoned, but we left enough weapons and ammunition. If people, I think, $80 billion worth, and let me explain that. We left enough weapons and ammunition added all together is 80% of the entire arms that we have given the country of Israel in its existence from the U.S. Wow. And it's more than most third world countries have in their arsenals, and we left it there. At the same time, we blew up the ammo depots up in the Panjshir that the Northern Alliance guys, the, the president, the acting president, Amarullah Saleh, and Ahmad uh, Massoud, the son of the famous uh, Masood, who was lying to the Panjshir, the guy that was a big supporter of us till he was killed prior to 9-11, they, they, took, they blew up all the ammo depots up there, so they took the ammunition away from the good people, the people that we trained. These we got, are the military guys. That we, got we, about, we got about two minutes, Keith. Uh, sure, I'll tie it all together. So yeah. we took away their ammunition, we gave the ammunition to the bad guys, and then we didn't let Americans, SIV holders, and green card holders into the airports. Then once the military left, the State Department came out and said, you can now go to the airport. The Taliban will facilitate that, especially up in Mazar. And we have Americans, as soon as they got to the airport, they were placed on planes, and the planes were not allowed to leave. And now the Taliban's holding them hostage, all because of one thing, I believe. The Americans were planning on bringing in pallets of cash for the Taliban. They need to run their country. They didn't get that in there, so now the Taliban have... Or, a fig leaf to hold people so that we have to give them money for the American citizens All there. Right. And that's immoral, and it's not the way you do things. Well, for those of you tuning in, this is Dr. Keith Rose joining me, and I'm Rob McCoy, pastor at God Speak Church in and, and, and Ventura, California. I, I wanted to uh, just say, Keith, you'll join us for the for the next segment because being a Christian radio station, a lot of folks say we shouldn't talk about stuff like this. But but we'll we'll tie it in, and I want folks to see why this is critical and why Christ is so critical to what is happening in Afghanistan and why folks like you, Keith, do what you do and why it's important to put our life on the line to be able to deliver these people and keep a promise we made to them. Because as Alexis de Tocqueville said, America is great because America is good, and when it ceases to be good, it'll cease to be great. So, Keith, you'll join us for the next segment. Folks, we've got a little bit of a commercial break. We'll come back with, I'm going to call him the great Dr. Keith Rose. He hates that because he's the most humble guy I know. 
works with the, had worked with the intelligence agency, World Health Organization. Great guy. Join us for the next segment. Keith, stick around. God bless you guys. It's good to be with you on the maiden voyage. Well, SoCal Live, I'm Pastor Rob McCoy, guest host, and with me today is Dr. Keith Rose. He's an amazing man. He's worked for the intelligence agency. He was in Afghanistan for 12 years. He was a commissioned officer in the U.S. Army, and he's my friend. And not only has he given us insights into Afghanistan, but Keith, you've also really helped us since day one to understand the virus. And being KKLA and also uh, you know, the wonderful station down in San Diego, KPRZ, one of the critical components for us is I, I want to make sure folks see Christ in all of this. So, so Keith, walk us through whatever else was on your heart to conclude the thought that you had and, and anything else you want to add in regards to what's going on in Afghanistan. And then let's transition because we're facing mandates here in California with, with this shot. What do you got, Keith? You know, Rob, the, the typical view of Christian life is that it means we're delivered from all adversity. But but actually, I believe it means we're delivered in adversity. Yeah, it's a good word. Which is something very different. I mean, Psalm 91 one says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. You know, and that's the place that we're at one with God. And right now, in the folks in Afghanistan, the folks back in the United States, we're all seeing a lot of evil all around us, and people are dealing with more adversity than they probably have ever dealt with in their whole life. I know a lot of vets I've had calling me going, you know, why were we there? I mean, if, if we're going to see this happen. But the purpose of sacrifice that we did over there, uh, it's not transactional. I don't think a sacrifice is transactional. In other words, a sacrifice does not become worth it only if that sacrifice yields immediate and tangible results. Yeah, exactly. And and, with, and, and, and also, Keith, reason. Keith, what I want to share with yeah. the the folks tuning in, uh, we're with Dr. Keith Rose and and sharing about the issue in Afghanistan, the, the, just the broken hearts of our veterans who served over there. Keith, in the last segment, I want to share a story about my dad who had three tours of Vietnam. And watching with him as a young boy as South Vietnam collapsed and helicopters coming off the embassy and I see him a grown and you know, watching a strong man cry is a difficult thing. And as a young boy witnessing my dad just struggling over that, I want to tell a story, especially for our veterans and family members who've lost loved ones in Afghanistan, that I think will put that into perspective and help you. But Keith, you're right that, you know, we're not in charge of the outcome. We're in charge of being faithful and, and, uh, you, you of all people understand that. So thank. just keep that thought going. It's a great one. Well, no, I just, I mean, we always want to thank the sacrifice. It yields immediate results. And with greater, you know, returns, you, you have a greater sacrifice. But I think that a lot of the sacrifice we've seen in a virtuous sacrifice is transcendent. Because it's an expression of the duty and faith that I believe has enduring power. And that power is not always even seen in our lifetime. You know, we train people over there. We help deliver babies. We've operated on children. We may not see the results of our work, but, you know, there was a person that lived in the first century that could have easily believed that Christ, you know, died in vain. I mean, if you lived at the time of Christ, his death would have utterly frustrated the political and military expectations that people had for the Messiah. Right. 
and, you know, because he was a savior. I mean, even his resurrection was but a rumor for a lot of people. But by every single secular measure, this, the execution of Christ, you know, was, was not a success. But we know he rose again. Amen. And, and the fact that we didn't, people back then didn't see it in his, their lifetime, we understand that God moves forward, and, he, and, you know, we're building his kingdom. So, and that's why I think God says, you know, you lose your life and you gain it. And so when we make a sacrifice or we have people over there that have done so much, even in Afghanistan, you know, it tells a different story, but it tells a story of men and women who loved each other and died for each other. It tells a story of people who chose to leave their homes and their families and place themselves in harm's way to confront a terrible evil. And it also tells a story time and time again of American men and women who died to protect Afghan men and women. Yeah. And those sacrifices created bonds, and those bonds are what you're seeing right now for people like Victor Marx, myself, and others that are going over trying to help the Afghan people. And it's just very frustrating when we're up against our own government doing everything it appears to not help them in order that they can— and we're watching we're watching the folks that are serving or folks that have already served over there. These are veterans that are going back on their own dime, raising money from private sources to deliver American citizens, green card holders, folks who have served our military. And they're, they don't want to leave them abandoned. The government may have done it, and it seems as though that, that it's not a focus of this administration. But common men and women are putting their lives on the line, their fortunes, to go and, and keep a promise we made to these people. And it and it really is from this sacrificial heart to understand that I, I Keith, I'm going to ask you in the last segment. I'm going to kind of jump ahead. I'm going to ask you in the last segment to to cover a topic that's really on the hearts and the minds of Californians as our our front our, our first responders, our teachers, uh, folks in government. They're all facing this mandate of this shot, and many of them don't want it. Some of them already already had it. But, you know, it seems like it's a growing majority of people that are saying this isn't the government's responsibility with a virus that has a 99.5% survival rate that they would impose this, especially on children to go back to school when, you know, that I want to cover that in the last segment. But in relation with the last five minutes remaining, I want to tell you this story because I want you to hear it and I want to comfort the men and women who served in Afghanistan and for the families in America who've lost loved ones. You know, my dad had three tours of Vietnam. And, uh, and 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 he was gone through formidable years of my life. My family sacrificed. My mother did. And I was the youngest of four. And I'll never forget 1975. It was, it was Memorial Day. I was a young kid. I was 11 years old. And it was a three-day weekend. And my dad, my dad says, get in the car. And now South Vietnam has fallen. The embassy, the, the iconic pictures of the helicopter, people packing in, trying to get out. The North Vietnamese come down. There's just a slaughter and a holocaust. And and then there's boat people and, and people just and, – and so my dad says, get in the car. We, we drive north from San Diego to Camp Pendleton. My dad gets a crisp salute from the Marine Guard there as my dad was a Navy captain, act, actually at the time a commander. He, no, he was, he was a captain, excuse me. And then we drive in, and as we get into the, the inner workings of Camp Pendleton – as a young 11-year-old, as far as the eye can see, actually I was 10, as far as the eye can see, there was tents. It was an enormous tent city. My father parks the car, I get out, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, the Marine guards salute him again, he gives a name and a number, and uh, they give him a card, and we walk through this tent city, sights and sounds and smells I'm unfamiliar with, Vietnamese everywhere, and we get to the tent, 
a man comes out and he salutes my father. My father says, Colonel Nguyen, uh, there's no saluting anymore. Your family, we're going home. And he says, uh, Captain, uh, since we last talked, I married and my wife is with me. He says, get her, let's go home. And we get in the car and Major Nguyen is speaking with my father in the front seat. I'm sitting in the back seat with his new wife, Mrs. Nguyen. She doesn't speak any English. We're, I'm trying to make her smile. She's nervous as all get out. We get home. My parents had just remodeled the kitchen, brand new carpet. Mrs. Nguyen is from a rural village in Vietnam. My mother would not tolerate fried food in her house. She was such a meticulous housekeeper that she'd have lines in the carpet. You'd have to fly from one room to the next. And Mrs. Nguyen is trying to impress her new husband, and she's frying fish in my mother's remodeled kitchen with brand new carpet. And the pan catches fire, and she does what any rural woman would do, or any woman would do in a rural village. She kicks it into the dirt, which happened to be the carpet catches fire. I'm thinking my mom is going to kill the, kill her. They're going to be removed from the house. I'm a 10-year-old witnessing this. And my mother doesn't do anything, comforts her. The woman is scared. She's shaking. She's crying. And I'm, I'm stunned. And I walk up to my mother, and I say, Mom, why did you not get angry at her? And uh, both my parents have gone to be with the Lord. But my mother said, Rob, they've lost their country. We can replace the carpet. And the Nguyen family went on to have... Uh, just beautiful children, all got high degrees. Uh, we stayed in contact. They were all at the funerals of my parents. They are a precious family from San Diego. They are our family, and that's America. And, and that can't be understated. There are stories like that, and it's because of the sacrifice. And there was the, oh, some of our, our men and women were left in Vietnam, and they thought they're forgotten, but they are not. And my dad um, and my mom believed in what they were doing, America is good. Sometimes, and many of the times, the government lets us down. But Keith, to you and all the men and women who served in Afghanistan and in, in the field of combat, it, it wasn't for nothing. Uh, lives have been changed. And, and I love the way you describe that. You want to close with the, the next minute that we have here? Anything that's on your heart, Keith? Well, no, Rob. I, I think just to put a bow on what you said, you know, people like your father, we they really worked to get the folks out of Vietnam, the South Vietnamese. And when they did that, if you noticed, there was a study done. First-generation Vietnamese and their children, when they came back to the United States, they had up to 80% were enlisted in the Army yeah. because they wanted to give something back to the country that gave them so much. Yeah. And then if you, you compare that to today, to where over the long weekend, the, the, our government, our president, wanted to ignore and hope that the resistance would be wiped out, the legitimate government, and that this problem would just go away so they could conduct business as usual. And I would encourage every American, you know, remember what Francis Schaeffer said, how shall we live? That's right. I think we need to live like your father did. We need to live because Christ is Lord. We Amen. need to live because God gives us a moral compass. He gives us the way, the truth, and the life. That's and a, that, I think we have to we have to stand. That's a good word. To, that's a good bow. And and folks, it, that Dr. Keith Rose, he's going to join us for the last segment. Uh, a, a remarkable man, intelligence com, uh, community. He worked in there. He was in Afghanistan twelve years. He's medical doctor. We're we're going to close the last segment looking at the virus and this mandate. So join us. God bless you guys. We'll see you in a bit. Thanks, Keith. We'll see you in the, in the next segment.
Hey, lovely people of San Diego. It is Hey, lovely people of San Diego. It's good to be with you. Uh, Pastor Rob McCoy, I'm the guest host at SoCal Live. I'm calling it Liberty Station today, and we're boarding the Freedom Train. And our guest has been Dr. Keith Rose, not only a medical doctor, but also uh, having worked in the intelligence agency uh, in, in Afghanistan for over 12 years he covered what's going on over there and the efforts to remove American citizen and citizens and green card holders. But in this last segment, and then as we go into the second hour, we're going to have another guest, Charlie Kirk, who's going to be joining us. Uh, and then tomorrow we're going to have Governor Mike Huckabee. So we've, we've got a great lineup, a number of people coming. Sean Foyt is going to be with us. And But, you know, Keith, you're the guy I wanted to, to do this maiden voyage with. You were with me from the beginning to understand this virus uh, understand what was going on when we opened our church. We we weren't doing it stupidly. We weren't putting people in danger. You were the one who navigated and walked us through it. And now we're facing mandates in this state, Keith. And and these first responders and teachers help help me and and the folks there in San Diego understand what's happening and let them know about this virus and and this therapeutic shot that is being mandated. If you would certainly, Robert. You really want to understand exactly where we are in the entire evolution of COVID-19. You can look at Sweden and you can look at Israel. Yeah. Sweden essentially did not have mass mandates. They did not have push any types of vaccine. They didn't lock down at all. And they have really gone back to almost a normal society with no increased incidences of COVID-19 fatalities or anything else. Israel, on the other hand, did everything the CDC said you should do. They masked. They locked down. They're now starting to take their third vaccine. Yeah, the booster. Their third booster. Right. Their first booster, the third shot. Yep. And they have the largest number of hospitalizations and deaths of almost any country per capita. And so what we've seen, and let me explain this vaccine because it's very important. Before we say that, though, people need to understand something about COVID-19. It is 99.9% survivable across almost every age group up until you get to around 80 years old. And that people that don't have severe, not some, but severe comorbid problems like uncontrolled diabetes, morbid obesity, not just obesity, but someone that's four or 500 pounds, that kind of obesity. And so that the average person will live when they get COVID-19 if they're treated early. We have wonderful treatments that can be given to people early, and now even as they get advanced disease with monoclonal antibodies. And so this is a totally treatable disease. That, I, 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 not... I survived it with every treatment you just outlined, and it took 48 hours. And then others that I know of that didn't have that treatment, they're not with us today. And and. Uh, it it it's just and, and my 85 year old parents survived. So so did my in laws. They both had it bad, in their 80s. And 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 the interesting thing now is the other thing is important to note is that if you've had COVID and recovered, you have robust, durable, long lasting immunity. There you go. And the study, ironically enough, out of Israel, looking at 700 thousand patients, showed that they looked at patients that had been vaccinated and they looked at patients that hadn't been vaccinated. Now we go to the vaccine. Why do we have this vaccine, and why are we treating it different than every other vaccine in the history of the world? This vaccine, number one, does not, and this is per the manufacturer, not me, does not prevent the acquisition or the transmission of the disease. 
and every vaccine study was looked at, and they have something where they, they looked at absolute protection versus did it just help? I'm going to keep it simple. Did it decrease symptoms or did it prevent disease? And almost across the board, it only decreased symptoms in patients between 40 and 60%. They call that, but absolute protection was almost negligible. I think it was 0.1 or 0.2% across the board, meaning it didn't prevent transmission or uh, acquisition of the disease. Now, you have that first, and then you wonder, well, is it dangerous? Well, we know from the VAER system, the CDC's voluntary reporting, that you've had over 12,000 adverse events. A week now, and I want to I I cover this because when you pointed out the survival rate, and we're, we're looking at children, you know, we're talking 17 and under, uh, where, where, you know, you're, you're going to be a segregated class if you don't get this injection. And, and the survival rate for 17 and under is unbelievably high, uh, unbelievably high. So it's, it's basically 100%. Yeah. You've lost 325 children have died from COVID by report. Johns Hopkins did a study on each one of those cases, and every one of those kids had a severe underlying condition like lymphoma or other cancers. So it wasn't in healthy, normal children. There was a 16-year-old that got really bad symptoms the other day, and I read up on that case. And they were saying a normal, healthy 16-year-old's in the hospital with COVID. It was a 16-year-old that weighed 420 pounds. Yeah, they leave that out. So, yeah, they they, they just leave that out. But but, but we're also ta- we're also talking. Excuse me. We're also and, and for those of you tuning in, this is Dr. Keith Rose, uh, medical doctor, uh, has been on the front line for all of this throughout the entire time. Plus, insight with Afghanistan. He worked with the intelligence agencies. Uh, I've been with him since January of 2020. Everything he has told me and has guided us in opening the church has proven true. It has all come to fruition. He, this isn't someone who's just making it up. This all has been proven true. And and now we're looking at this therapeutic injection of an mRNA with our children, and, and we're talking about myocarditis. What does that mean with these young people, healthy young people well, getting myocarditis? Yeah, let me build this out for you a little bit, Rob, because this is very important. The The... What this does is most vaccines, they give you an attenuated or an inactive piece of the virus, and your body creates antibodies to it. The mRNA vaccine gives you a genetic or it gives you a code, basically, like a computer code, an mRNA code that your cells take up, and then your cells produce a spike protein. And then that spike protein coming from your cells causes antibodies to be formed. It's not specific And it can cause horrible problems like we're seeing, which is massive inflammation, whether it's in the brain and the heart, like we're seeing in a lot of males and in other parts of the body. Now, here's the insidious part of this. And this is why everyone needs to pay attention and talk to their politicians. The Popper Act in 2013 and the CARES Act in 2016, these are these massive omnibus bills, both had laws written into them that remove the FDA safeguards, like informed consent, like the need for animal trials. So the reason that these vaccines were able to be pushed so fast and so quickly is we don't have the same safety guards in place. And they were taken out in 2013 in the Proper Act and 2016 in the, in the CARES Act. And, and since they took out those safeguards, you just had the FDA approve a drug that hasn't even finished its safety trials. And, and so, so you're taking an experimental vaccine, it doesn't work, 
and it has no safety profile. It is, it, it's the definition of insanity in, in the medical world. And, and so here we are facing mandates, and our first responders who have worked their lives saving us, the nurses and the doctors we called heroes who were serving during the virus, and, and we called them heroes, and now we're going to fire them because maybe they built antibodies or they, they don't want an experimental injection. And now we're going to fire these heroes and not let them work or treat them as second-class citizens through medical segregation. And we need to stand on behalf of our first responders, police, fire, all of our teachers. Uh, folks, you need to understand this stuff because the, the last vestige on the planet of free speech is radio. And, I, I, you know, the, the, the station may not agree with everything I'm saying, but they allow me to speak freely. And you too. And I wanted to say thank you to these precious stations, KPRZ and KKLA, that allow us to do this. Folks, do your homework. Uh, Dr. Keith, we got about 20 seconds. You want to you wanna close us out? Sure. I mean, back to Francis Schaefer, how should you live? People, if they accept that and inaction is consent, then you are going to see your state continue to circle the drain if you allow this medical totalitarianism. What I, I think the first responders need to do is stand together and all say, we will not get it. If they do and they stand as one, they're going to win the day. Good. Because this that, is that's... not a vaccine. It is dangerous. And more importantly, you don't, it I... could knock out the first responders through serious medical conditions. That's a good one to end on. Keith, thank you for joining us. Our guest has been Dr. Keith Rose. God bless you. And we'll be back for the last hour with Charlie Kirk. So tune in. God bless you guys. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.